college and somebody had walked in with a case of Natty Light and they made him leave. <laughs> they were like, uh, what is that? Yeah, <laughs> Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's fair. So hi, Emily. Hi. I just thought, I love the idea of starting a podcast in the middle of a conversation. About Natty Ice. <laughs> uh, especially one about Natty Ice, <laughs> which we're not drinking yes. today. One day. One day. They have that weird Natty Ice that's like pink and yellow, and I think it's a pink lemonade. <laughs> I think. Ugh. Hey, if anybody's um, tried those, please let us know what they're like. Please let us know, because we're probably going to die. I mean, we're yeah. going to do it. Yeah eventually yeah we're i mean we have plans today we're being nice to ourselves yeah again because fuck you um <laughs> so we're building up to the 50th episode where yes. things are going to be gross yeah probably really gross and you know you were a pretty good girl yesterday but there was some drinking involved in your day i assume yeah and then i i drank the whole day <laughs> the whole damn day and i'm mostly okay but ugh. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I drank a little more than I would have normally because I wasn't driving. Uh, yeah, that helps. So, like, I could, I didn't have to pay attention and balance and... You got to cut loose a little yeah. bit. That's always nice. We were at our friend Bubbers' house. Bubbers! Thanks for having us, bud. It was dope. He has a beautiful, beautiful house. Like, so, so beautiful. Like, annoyingly so. Yeah. Like, um, wow. Like, wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so that's why we were together. And I'm gonna I'm gonna crack this open. Do it, yes. And uh, we are recording this episode a full week ahead. Yeah. Before it's supposed to come out, so one, be proud of us. Holy shit. Yeah. I mean, look at us go. Mm-hmm. Two, that's because I'm gonna be gone, and so like we're really doing our our best thinking ahead here. For once. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so hopefully this will go up like right away, like midnight on the 27th, because I will have scheduled it ahead of time yeah hopefully it works and if it doesn't i'll be posting yeah whenever you're available to which is fun (laughs) yeah so look for this sometime (laughs) that's all i've got for you okay Okay. (laughs) if you've noticed something else listeners we might sound a little better for you (gasps) god we hope so it's because we are using new microphones right now upgrade hell yes Less bullshit to deal with. Crisper sounds. Crisp. You get our dulcet tones. Tones. Mm, you love them. <laughs> that was hot. Uh, I am fully weird. erect. Oh, okay. <laughs> Happy Monday. Happy Monday, everyone. You were off of work, so cheers I to am. that. I Boom. took a mental health day. Love it. I was going to have a nervous breakdown at work because <laughs> I was going to kill everyone. <laughs> Please don't do that. Mm-hmm. I don't want to have to, one, not have you on the podcast anymore because you're in jail. Yeah. Two, have to have one of your survivors come on the podcast to tell the story. It's cute that you think there'd be survivors. Wow, <laughs> Emily. All right, so let's talk about your uh, story there. Yeah, your, let's your do that. Thing. Yeah, hey. Sure hope nobody at your work listens to this podcast. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you should find that out. <laughs> it's fine. I wouldn't do it. She's, she just winked to you guys. I, wow. She just winked. <laughs> Taylor, why are you setting me up for murder? What else are friends supposed to do? What? <laughs> All right. It's episode 49, bitches. 49. Oh, my God. We've been doing this for almost two years. Oh, my God. We're so close to 50. And uh, it's our true crime episode. So I'm going to start. And I have a story for you about a survivor named Heather Saul. Oh, Hello, Heather. Hello. 
But first, before we get to Heather, some quick, not super fun facts. In mm. fact, they're not fun at all. Mm. And I apologize. Uh-oh. On August 14th, 2003, a young woman named Jody Brewer disappeared in Las Vegas. Jody was a sex worker who advertised her services online. Uh-oh. One witness saw her entering a white car with a California license plate, and she was never seen alive again. Uh-oh. Two weeks later, Jody's torso was found. Not her head, just not her arms or her legs, just her torso. Okay. 25 miles south of the California-Nevada border. And uh, she had to be identified by the tattoos on her body. Because again, torso. No suspects were ever established for her murder. Three other women, all of whom worked in the sex industry, also went missing around 2003 in Las Vegas. At the time, authorities believe these deaths may have been the work of a long-haul trucker, but no evidence was ever found. Second fun fact. That was all a bundle of one fun oh, fact. okay. All right. Second super-duper fun fact. I think you're lying to That me. doesn't make you want to die. Oh. At all. <laughs> Between April 2013 and May of 2015, seven women in the town of Chillicothe. It's Ohio. I have no idea how they pronounce things. Chillicothe? Sure. Chillicothe? Sorry, Ch- Ohio. Chill. The chill town of Ohio. The chillest town in Ohio, seven women disappeared from <laughs> within a two year span. Maybe not so chill. Yeah, it's a little less than chill. Most of these women were known to be sex workers who advertised their services online. Shocked. Megan Lancaster, Charlotte Trago, Wanda Lemons were never found. So they are just still sort of missing. But it's been years. The remaining four women were eventually found within two, one or two months of their disappearances. Now, a couple of these appear to be unrelated. One of them was deemed a suicide. The other one was deemed a murder for which a, a totally other person stood trial in an isolated incident. But the final two victims whose bodies were found, Tiffany Sayer and Tamika Lynch, had similar MOs and their bodies were found in remote areas about 25 miles outside of this town I can't pronounce in Ohio. Their whole bodies or just their torso? Their whole bodies. As far as I could tell from the reports, there wasn't a ton, ton of info out about these guys. Um, But yeah, as far as I could figure out. Um, So suspects were brought forward, including a man named Neil Falls, but there was never enough evidence to bring anyone to trial for these murders. So this town was just like, what the fuck for a while. They definitely, yeah, they definitely thought it was the work of a serial killer. Sure. Like you would. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. fair. Mm -hmm. And uh, I watched those reddits. Yeah, Yeah. because I mean, even with the cases that proved to be unrelated, there are still five women who disappeared and Mm -hmm. were either not found ever or were found and no evidence was collected. So it's um, shitty out there. Enter a woman named Heather Saul. She's cool. In 2015, (laughs) Heather was a 27-year-old woman who worked in the sex industry. She lived in Charleston, West Virginia, and by all accounts, Heather was not forced into sex work. This was kind of a big deal. Like She just enjoyed it and found it a great way to make money, which is totally a thing for some women. Yeah. So good for you, Heather. You do you. And I'll even mention, like, Heather took precautions to be as safe as possible in this kind of scenario when you're doing this kind of work. So she posted her services on a place called Backpage.com, uh, it was like second to Craigslist for this kind of stuff. And it had like a section for what was known to be like sex workers okay. specifically. 
Um, but like even her posts were sort of coded where it was like, you want to come meet me? You can come over to my place. This is my number. Set up an appointment. Um, she said 200 roses donation, please. So you got to think she's asking for a donation, not a payment. 200 mm-hmm. roses, which may, might just mean $200 or the amount that it costs for 200 roses. I don't know. <laughs> but either way, she's not saying I will have sex with you for money. But I think anybody on those sites would understand what she's saying. The so, code. Yes. Ah, oh, yes. The code. So she always took in calls only, which I took to understand that she only saw men in her own home. She yeah. would not get in their car. She would not go to them. They would come to her, which Dece, at least you're on your own turf, you know, <laughs> yeah. they do know where you live then. Yeah. But there's always going to be some risk in this work, right? Like there's yeah. no, oh, yeah. there's no right exact way to do it unless you're renting a hotel every time maybe. And mm-hmm. like, that's not cost effective. Exactly. That's probably not doable for a lot of women. Mm-hmm. So she always also notified at least one friend anytime a back page client would be at her house. Hmm. They would usually be nearby, like on her porch, just chilling to make sure everything was okay. The entire encounter. So that's pretty decent. Yeah. On this particular day, we're going to talk about July 18th, 2015. She apparently had two friends who were just going to wait on her porch for the man to arrive and stay nearby during her appointment. So all, all standard stuff for her at this point. This happened all the time. Totally fine. Sometimes you just have like really shit luck though. Yeah. One of these friends who was sitting out on the porch, they were all waiting. And the guy was like, I'm just going to go to the convenience store really quick and grab a snack. I'll come back in like five minutes. It's fine. And then while the other friend was still waiting there, Heather's dog got out and that friend chased that dog away, like down the street, like to go find it. So they're both gone. So Heather's alone at her house when a man arrives for his appointment. Oh yes. So Heather opens the door to this man He steps inside and specifically asks twice if they are alone. And she says, yeah. And then this man takes out a nine millimeter gun and points it at her chest and looks her in the eyes and says, live or die. Which is just so fucking out there as a statement. (laughs) How dramatic. (laughs) What kind of person... Like someone who has an obsession with playing God. Oh, for real. Yeah, absolutely. Like the ego on that guy. Would have to be absolutely gigantic. Like, holy shit. And also, like, just why the theatricality about it? Live or Or die. die. Like, okay, Two-Face? Like, you gonna flip a coin? What? (laughs) What do you want? But anyway... So he's got the gun in one hand and he reaches up with his other hand and begins to strangle oh. Heather, which is, I was like, wow, one handed. Hand. Uh-huh. Jinx. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. We do- both definitely had the same thought. Like you're going to strangle somebody with one hand and a guns in your other hand. Cool. 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 Tight, tight, tight. All right. But according to Heather in her statement later, he was holding me so tight. I didn't think I would live through it. So strong ass hand. Clearly shooting her was not necessarily what he wanted to do. He had a gun to her, but if you're strangling somebody, like you don't necessarily want to shoot them so that they die quick. Yeah. Especially if you're only strangling them with one hand. Yeah. Like you're not going to kill them. They might pass out. Right. And maybe that's the intent. Cause we'll talk about that. 
Um, but I think the gun is at least there to stop them from fighting back because like you could just shoot them at any moment, even if that's not what you want to do. Yeah. So in this case, that didn't really work. Uh, Heather fought back like a motherfucker. Like she, while this man was telling her things like, I'm going to go to prison for a long time and it's your choice, whether it's for rape or murder. Does he think he's in a choose your own adventure novel? Dude, for real. Like, he thinks he's going to make it her choice whether she lives or dies when he's there attacking her. Choose your mode of attack. Right. Turn to page 80 to see whether I fucking murder you or not. Yeah, like, what the fuck? (laughs) Yeah, I know. Like, what a weirdo. Okay, so he's telling her this shit. He's got her by the throat. She is kicking and punching him. She knocks him to the ground at one point. And as he's getting up, she reaches for a rake that is just nearby. Cool. It's just like on her counter. Yeah. Yeah. And she starts hitting him with it and she uses it to like force him away from her. And at this point, he's like, what the fuck? And is probably pretty annoyed. <laughs> yeah. So he sets the gun down on the counter. Oh. To take the rake away from her with both hands. Sure. And I as he is doing that. Let him take the rake so I can take the gun. Exactly. <laughs> you think just like Heather. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, you can have this. Mm-hmm. Sure. <laughs> In the split second I'm sure she had, where I'm sure time is much slower than at like is actually going, you know, mm-hmm. when like something crazy is happening and your brain just lets it slow down so you can yeah. see it. I imagine that. Because she lets go of the rake. She grabs the gun. She's facing away from him. I think she had to sort of turn away to grab the gun. Mm -hmm. He is going to wrap his arm around her neck again. She fires the gun backwards over her shoulder. Like in her um, interview with the police, she's just like so frantic. This has just happened. And she sort of just points her hand over her shoulder like that's that's how she fired. Like just backward like that. One shot. Yeah. From behind. And that shot kills him. It shoots him in the head and oh. he drops the fuck down. Oh, shit. Heather, Heather is brave and badass, but also a little lucky, probably. Yeah. Because she was like just trying to do whatever. Blindly shooting. Yes. Like, I'm going to hit him in the shoulder. He's going to let go. Right. He's going to run. I could even We're deafen good. both of us, like, maybe. Whatever. Like, whatever needs to happen. The shock of the gun being fired is going to be enough for him to be like, oh, shit. Right. Hopefully. But instead, she shoots him right in the brain and he dies. <laughs> like, it's nuts. Bye. Yeah. So, yeah, he's killed instantly. Um, later, she would say in her police interview, um, I'm sorry I killed him. I didn't mean to kill no one. Like, yeah. she wasn't trying to. Yeah. So at this point, but it's justifiable homicide. Oh, like it's one hundred percent self defense. Absolutely, and and we will like that is what they determined immediately. They were like, "Oh, yeah. dude, oh, yeah, no, you're fine." Heather was covered in like cuts and bruises and Defensive like wounds. exactly, and like all the evidence, the way it's laid out in the house, it all speaks to exactly her story. It's mm-hmm. nobody ever thought it was anything different than what she described. So at that point, Heather ran out of her house to the neighbors. On the way, she passed. The guy who had like gone to get her dog and like he had heard a gunshot and was running back toward her house and she passes him and goes, I got to go call 911. <laughs> so she gets to a neighbor's house. I heard a snippet of the 911 call and it's just this, you know, other woman trying to be helpful and be like, oh my God, my, my neighbor needs help. Like there's a man in her kitchen who tried to attack her with a gun and he's dead. And like, and she's like, he pulled a gun on me in the background, like freaking out. Oh honey. It was, it was awful, but everything turns out the police show up. They do the investigation. She is under no suspicion for anything but self-defense. And this man who she killed, it turns out is named Neil Falls. 
When police arrived at the crime scene, they checked Neil's car, mm. and they found what the police chief described as a serial killer's kit. And if you're ever wondering what's in those. It varies sometimes. Uh, yeah. But Depending I can, on the killer. Yeah. But you, I think you'll be impressed by this one. Oh. It's quite good. Oh. Is there a water bottle in there? There's not actually. Loser. <laughs> Loser. He wasn't trying to stay hydrated. That's mistake that's number one. Fault. Yeah, that's true. So he's, But he does have knives, a machete, two axes, a sledgehammer, a shovel, plastic bags, a plastic tub that the police chief specifically said a woman could probably fit in. Because he's weird. Sure. <laughs> Bleach. And a bulletproof vest. That motherfucker was ready. Yeah. To do a lot. To dismember a body. Yeah. Like, yeah, maybe dissolve it. Mm -hmm. Maybe, you know, whatever people do, I don't even want to think about it. He also had four sets of handcuffs in his pockets. Four sets. One for each limb. Exactly. That, to me, feels like he was coming in there. He was going to choke her out. He was going to tie her up. Mm -hmm. With the handcuffs yeah. and then, you know, make it slow. Yeah. So he was great, obviously, and he definitely deserves to be fucking dead. Yeah. Huzzah. So after Neil's death and the discovery of this like absolute cornucopia of evidence mm -hmm. that he was definitely probably a serial killer, the police started putting together some of like Fall's known whereabouts over the last 15 years. Realizing that he could have possibly been in the right place at the right time to link him to murders in as many as nine states. Oh, my God. Yeah. Including the ones I mentioned at the very beginning. Shocker. So the West Virginia police, they sent Neil's profile and DNA to precincts all over the country. And as I understand right now, unfortunately, I think it's kind of a slow process. It has mm -hmm. been four years, but you never know. It's, these are cold cases. Yeah, I mean, they're not going to light a fire, fire under the ass because they're not trying to prosecute the guy. Exactly. He is dead, and, and these are so, cold cases that have... As shitty as it is for the families. Right. Yeah. It's not pressing. Yes. And, like, I still think they're, they are probably working on it, but mm -hmm. not maybe not their sole focus yeah. of all their manpower right now. But I mean, as I there are still probably active yeah, cases going on. Absolutely. Especially in a place like Las Vegas. Yeah. <laughs> so but as CSI I was CSI has taught us anything. Oh God. Well, they have their own CSI. So it must be all fucked up out mm -hmm. there. <laughs> so as I understand right now, some cold cases have ruled falls out as the killer. Um, but there are still several cases that have not definitively linked him or not linked him yet. So they need to, you know, take closer looks. There wasn't a lot of evidence to be left in those cases in the first place, which is why they never even had any sub uh, suspects. But now they've got his DNA. I think they're still in the process of trying to see if he was ever involved in any of these things. But, like, the fact that he he was working in the area of a lot of these disappearances at the time they happened. Mm -hmm. He had a penchant for living out of his car and taking long distance road trips hmm. to and through the places where people disappeared over years, like 15 fucking years. And the fact that he has a serial killer kit that does not look like it's your first rodeo. Yeah. <laughs> like at all. So the Ohio and Vegas women I mentioned are still on the list of his suspected victims. He is also suspected of crimes in Texas, where he was pulled over just 11 days before his death. Hmm. Um, and as for Jody Brewer, the woman I mentioned at the very top, um, her mother believes that her case has been fully solved, that Neil Falls is the killer, and that her daughter has gotten justice. And, like, 
if she feels that way, if yeah. she feels like it, it everything works, mm-hmm. yeah, more power to her. I'm sure that makes her whatever makes her feel better. Yeah, and I hope she's right. I hope yeah. that her daughter's killer is totally dead. Yeah, absolutely. So as for Heather, she may be Fall's only survivor. We don't know. We might never know if there was somebody else who met him on the road and lived. And not only did she save herself, but she may have saved future victims of mm-hmm. this man. Lieutenant Steve Cooper of the Charleston police said, I believe Heather did stop a serial killer. I believe that when she killed Mr. Falls, that she ended what was likely numerous violent crimes. So, yeah. fuck yeah, Heather. Yeah. Owning it. Living yeah. that life. Yeah. Being a huge badass. Woo. That's the story of Heather Saul. All right. I can't wait to hear your story because yesterday I asked you a question and you went, Oh, I know what I'm going to do. Uh huh. <laughs> I hate that you just do that sometimes where I'm like, has there ever been like a case like this? Blah, blah, blah. And you're like, shut up. I'm, I already know what I'm talking about. Yep. Yes. There has been a case like that. <laughs> like, okay. So it was, do you, do you know if there was anybody who was ever technically murdered because they died, but they like, came back <laughs> like they technically oh, lived yeah. in the end yeah okay <laughs> <laughs> all right oh god okay <laughs> so let's talk about our survivor ramon sosa hello he is a boxer or a boxing trainer and gym owner in houston texas he and his wife maria de lourdes dorantes also nice. called lulu oh cute we're going through a rough patch and the gym was going under oh no They'd been married six years, and, like, he thought she was the one. He fell in love with her, like, immediately when he met her. Whirlwind. Now, since they were going through some financial hard times, Uh and their relationship was on the rocks because the business wasn't doing well. Oh, that'll cause a rift, yeah. They had to live under the same roof while going through the divorce. Oh, man, that's really awkward, for sure. Maria wasn't happy with this arrangement. Well, sure. And... Came up with another plan. Oh, no. Oh, no. Maria, no. Maria? To hire someone to kill Ramon. Maria? Honey? She... No. (laughs) She reached out to someone named Mundo, who was a frequent flyer at the gym and a former gangbanger. Great. And he put her in touch with a hitman. Man, I never thought about how owning a gym would probably be a great way to, like, find some people who know how to kill a man. Like, (laughs) it seems... Yeah. Too, ni- too movie-ish. She paid $2,000 up front mm-hmm. and then agreed to another $1,000 after the hit was complete. Wow, just $3,000 to kill a man, huh? Yeah. All right. Uh, Ramon was then killed by one of the hitmen <gasps> and left in a ditch with a bullet wound to his temple. Oh, my God. Like, they went through with it. Like, it happened. Like, it 100% happened. Police. <laughs> I hate you. Arrived and arrested Lulu. After interrogating her and showing her the photos of Ramon's body. Because who else would have fucking had him killed or killed him? Yeah. Honey, think it, it through. subtle. Think it through, babe. She was sentenced <laughs> to 20 years in prison for her crime. Oh, damn. And is currently serving her time. Oh, okay. All right. So I'm sure you have questions. Yes, I do. Because I'm the only one who's allowed to cheat on whether someone lives in a story or not. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I'm JK. I'm JK. But we can't set too much of a precedent. So something tells me that Ramon so- isn't done. Okay, 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 okay. 
I'm so stoked. The real story. Uh huh. To give some background on Mundo, he wasn't just a frequent flyer. He was hella close to Ramon. Like saw him as almost a father figure. Oh shit! So she and has the wrong dude. Had some loyalties. Uh huh. So a decade earlier, in like 2005 to 2007, Mundo had just been acquitted after spending 14 months inside prison on a violent felony charge. Oof. He joined a local gang when he was 12, had been shot six times. Dang. Uh, Yeah. And when he got out, his future wife gave him an ultimatum. He could pick her or he could pick the violent neighborhood where he grew up. So like her or the gang. That's okay. Seems legit to me. He chose her Yay. and they moved. Yay. And then he stumbled upon Ramon Sosa's gym and saw him training some younger fighters. A quote from Mundo. His technique was different. Puerto Rican boxing. He looked like a professional boxer and I was like, I want that. Nice. So... Sosa was from Puerto Rico, had moved to Houston when he was younger. Um, and then he had gone back to Puerto Rico to train as a fighter. But figured out that people are basically just trying to make money off of you and you're not really treated as a person. Okay, no, that's fair. So he said, fuck it. And decided to go back to Houston to train other people to fight. He set his own ground rules. And was basically there for people as someone supporting them, not going after money. Okay. He trained them to fight. He trained them life skills. He helped underprivileged kids get out of gangs. Like, oh, see, that's cool. Good guy. Absolutely. Good guy. You know, we have a guy similar to that here. Yeah. The good fight. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can totally teach kids boxing and also make them like better people. Yeah. Like it's still a cool life skill yeah. and it's not like them out on the streets, you know, doing violent shit. Yeah. So not only did he train kids, but he also did train professional fighters. Awesome. Um, he visited the Playboy Mansion. He Dang. met Mike Tyson. What? Um, yeah. So... Talk about taking a like really rough life and then just like taking that skill you got out of that and turning your life around. It's fucking awesome. Uh, Mundo says that Sosa was the first male figure to take an interest in his life. A quote from Mundo. He set the ground rules. He took it upon himself to check up on me. He didn't have to do that. It meant a lot. He told me what happened to him, the problems that he'd had with the law. Um, This is from Sosa and that he was a gang member. Like, Mundo was very open with Sosa, like, hey, I did a, bon- a, like, a lot of bad shit. This is what I've been through. Yeah. Sure. So Mundo like, walked away from the gang and came to Sosa like, full time. And Sosa, in turn, decided to launch a nonprofit to formally be able to help other kids in a position like Mundo, where they wanted to get away from a gang and start living on their own. And being successful in life. Sure, yeah. That's awesome. And then Lulu comes along. Hello, Lulu. (laughs) And she was a personal trainer. So it all kind of just fit. Sure. Ramon 
being the good guy that he is, mm-hmm. sponsored Lulu, her mother, and her two teenage children to help them obtain U.S. citizenship. Wow. All right. It took about three years. And then after that was done, Ramon started actually noticing cracks in their marriage. Hmm. Like maybe she was being really nice to him before the paperwork went through. Yeah. And but she didn't really maybe love him as much. Yeah. <sighs> they had a fight. Lulu was claiming that he was abusing her. It was bad. So March of 2015, Lulu filed for divorce. Okay. Quote from Ramon. She wanted everything. She just wanted for me to leave and she keeps everything. And he remembers telling her, if you want a divorce, we're going to divorce the right way. We split everything. Sure. Like his business, too? Yeah, everything. Jesus. All right. No, she wanted it all. Mm Mm-hmm. And no negotiations. Lulu even apparently, like, contacted the sponsors of his nonprofit and was accusing him of embezzling money. Oh, my God. Which then forced the nonprofit to close. Lulu... Lulu also told friends and clients that Ramon had been abusing her. So that hurt the business. Right. People just stopped coming in. Yep. His relatives, including his own mother and daughter, were trying to back him up. Like, hey, we've never seen him hit anyone. Outside of like. Outside of the rain. Yeah. (laughs) When you're supposed to. Like, he's such a nice person. He's not abusive. He's not manipulative. He's not controlling. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, investigators do confirm they found no evidence that suggested any, quote, malfeasance involving young prospects, which was his nonprofit. Okay. Nor any evidence that believed that led them to believe any of the abuse allegations against him. Wow. Lulu also tried to complain about Ramon to Mundo. And she just really did pick the wrong dude. Like yeah. this guy kind of owes his life to Ramon. <laughs> like Yeah. Yeah, he had done his best to stay out of the negative situation, but Lulu kind of just dragged him into it. Three months after Lulu filed for divorce, Mundo walked into the gym, and Lulu was in the office with her teenage daughter. They were having a talk about some one kid that had been at the gym and about his uncle being some kind of a killer down in Mexico, and that he like cut up bodies, you know, some like potential cartel shit. Sure. Which is not good. Yeah. Mundo walked into the office when he heard Lulu talk out loud if that uncle could help with their, quote, situation. Okay. Mundo being a good guy. Uh-huh. Is like, what? It's like, hey, what situation? Yeah. Yeah. What the fuck are you Which talking about? Lulu confided in him about. And like said, I'm just tired, I'm frustrated, I wish he would leave, I wish the cops would pick him up, I wish someone would just make him disappear. Mundo asked for clarification. Sure. As to the meaning of disappear. As one does. He made a pistol sign with his fingers, and she went, yeah. Oh my god. I love him just being like, so just so I know what we're talking about here. Just like that. Pew pew? Pew pew? Shooty, shooty, uh, finger yeah. guns? Yeah. Okay, okay, uh-huh. okay. <laughs> yeah. So Mundo kind of talks about, like, what happened. And he's like, I'm numb. I know what she wants. And he walked up to a punching bag to start his workout. 
But instead of actually hitting the bag, he was like barely tapping it because he was so distracted. Oh, God. Yeah. And then he like punched it one more time and like went back to Lulu and was like, I might know somebody. And mentioned someone named Paco. Mm -hmm. And built this big story that like Paco was so revered. His face had been on a mural that was like two stories high and that, like, Paco is this, like, huge badass. Oh, my God. And then he's got a friend named John Boy, and these were the people he was going to contact. The way you're saying this makes me feel like that was entirely made up. It was. And he's a smart man. He's very smart. <laughs> Instead of calling Paco, he called Ramon. Nice. And was like, hey, your lady wants to kill you. <laughs> Just an FYI's. I yeah. have some info. Just BT dubs. It might interest you to know. <laughs> Ramon was like, shut the fuck up. <laughs> I was like, stop playing. Don't play like that. And Moon was like, uh, no. I'm not. I like, wish I was. And he said, I've seen that look in people that want to kill before. And this lady wants to kill you. Holy shit. Yeah. Ramon obviously was in shock. That is not what you want to think your wife will do. Yeah. No matter how bad Even things are. going through, like... Formal filings for a divorce. They were right. in divorce proceedings, like right. three months in. Sure. Like they, they could have been separated very quickly, you yeah. know. So Mundo had that plan about mm -hmm. Paco. He said, I told Ramon, look, you're going to play the hitman. You're going to buy another phone, a throwaway. And it'd be used like it was Paco's. And then Mundo went over the details that he kind of had agreed to with Lulu and that for the right amount of money, Paco would be willing to kill Ramon. Lulu actually like watched Mundo like texting the burner phone back and forth. And it was 2000 up front and then a thousand cash along with Ramon's pickup truck. Okay. So Mundo's choice of name Paco wasn't random. Oh, okay. He was a character in the 1993 crime drama, blood in blood out. Oh my God. Uh-huh. The story of three Chicanos navigating gang life in Los Angeles. Paco, played by Benjamin Bratt, was so admired and feared that another character paints his portrait on a concrete wall alongside the Los Angeles River. <laughs> At the end of the movie, Paco, it turns out, is an undercover cop. Oh, my God. <laughs> he was sending Lulu a warning like, hey, don't do this. This is a fake. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I am tricking you right now. Yeah. Oh, my God. Amazing. Mundo then started secretly recording his conversations with Lulu, trying to gather evidence. God, so smart. Honestly, this dude. Yeah. So they get everything going. They get conversations started. And then they're both like, hey, you know, maybe we should tell the cops. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. I mean, I think it can't just be on us anymore. Yeah. Because eventually she's going to want to do this. Yeah. She's going to wonder why you're not dead yet. Yeah. <laughs> so Lieutenant Mike Atkins interviewed Mundo and said it was kind of surreal and that he was thinking, is this legit? Because there is a divorce that's pending. Like right. it's in the process. Why is she killing him now? She's not trapped in, yeah. in some way, you know? Yeah. I totally get that. And thought. they did. Yeah. They did the digging into Mundo's cr criminal record. All the things they're supposed to do. They looked into the allegations against Ramon. Sure. And found absolutely no proof. <laughs> that helps. Yeah. That he was actually like a decent guy too. Yeah. Like <laughs> Also, like Mundo walking into a fucking police station mm. with his record. Yeah. And being like, hey, 
this happened. Why, why would you do that? Why would you yeah. risk that if you were lying? So they eventually did agree that Ramon's life was in danger. Legit. And it was real. <laughs> uh, the lieutenant asked Mundo to keep recording Lulu. Mundo wasn't happy with it, but he agreed to keep doing it. I mean, it must be nerve wracking to yeah. like lie that much. Yeah. He recorded at least 12 conversations, all in Spanish, over the course of three weeks. Um, and in one, Lulu tells Mundo that Ramon might sign the divorce papers on July 22nd. Quote from the recording, Mundo, I'm desperate. I can't stand this anymore. I have a giant headache. I have everything to lose. I'm sick, sick, sick of all this paperwork. This fucker hasn't given me a single penny since February. Nothing. She's running out of cash. Okay. Doesn't she also have a job? Uh, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care. Uh, but like, yeah. okay, so she wants him dead before he signs the yeah. divorce papers. Because he's not paying her alimony. Okay. Nothing's been determined yet by the court. Right. So he doesn't need to start paying that I was going to say like, yeah, of course he hasn't paid you he's yet. You're no still married. He's paying the mortgage. Oh, okay. Because he's going to lose the house. Yeah. So why would he? Yeah. That makes so, sense. She's got nothing. Mm-hmm. And like the gym's going under, so... It's not bringing she re- in money. She is taking from him a bunch of stuff that isn't going to help her at all. Just sounds and like spiteful shit. Like the thing is, before she came along, the gym was bringing in like eighteen to twenty thousand a month. Dang. Another quote: She said, "They better kill him before the twenty second. That way, I'll have insurance for life, a pension for life. My life will be all figured out." Mundo, do you know what I'm saying? He has worked hard all his life for his retirement. Well. Now it's time for me to work hard on my retirement. This is my retirement, Mundo. His life is my retirement. Oh, my God. Woman, you sound like you're out of a telenovela. Yeah. Like <laughs> Mundo, like, tries to talk her out of it. Like, hey, don't do this. This is bad. This is stupid. Hey, friendo. Hi, I'm wearing a wire. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to look culpable in this. Right. Don't do it. Yeah. And he, like, the last time, he's like, just remember, once he's dead, there's no coming back from that. Real shit? And she said, clearer than water. Oh, my God. So, officers decided to stage Ramon's death. I love this. This is the weirdest of all sting operations. <laughs> like, yeah. You're like, yeah, 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 yeah. We'll make it look like you yeah, died. Yeah, it's fine. Yeah. <laughs> so Ramon remembers the lieutenant telling him, we need something that is going to be a slam dunk case. Because technically they had enough evidence to hold Lulu for arrest for like attempted murdering, like Con- conspiracy. Conspiracy to, to commit or murder. Yeah. yeah, conspiracy. But yeah. they were worried that the jury might feel sorry for a beautiful woman with absolutely no police record. Okay, yeah. They want to make sure that, like, they know she would have gone through with it. Yeah, they they needed this. That's cray-cray. So, I don't know how true this is, but the article I found said they learned how to do makeup tutorials by watching YouTube. I mean, uh, same. <laughs> they went to the grocery store for corn, corn syrup and food coloring to make the blood, borrowed a makeup kit... That was normally used for disaster drills. Okay. And uh, then put him in a ditch. I mean, oh my God. Yeah. So they just like made it look like he had a bullet wound in him with the... Oh yeah. So 
Ramon says, it wasn't cold, but it was eerie. I was sitting there with my eyes closed thinking, what am I doing? What the heck am I doing out here? I'm just picturing a bunch of, like, cops huddled around him with, like, cotton balls and, yeah. and scar glue yeah. and, like, just trying to make a nice-looking bullet wound, mm-hmm. like, arguing. Yeah. And it's like, I thought about Lulu. Like, why did it have to come down to this? It could have been a simple divorce. This never should have happened. And then he realized she never loved him. Oh. And it was kind of a sad moment. Like, so all along, like, she really was just using him to, like, become a citizen and get her family citizenship and then get money. Wow. Poor guy. They staged him and, like, had him, like, lay down with his shirt off in this, like, shallow grave they dug with his hands behind his back like they'd been tied. Oh, my God. And they did a bullet wound, like, to his temple and, like, a bunch of, like, blood... No, Jeremy, it has to look more purple. I swear, it's no, like, that's seriously. like it's not that red. It looks real. It looks really real. They yeah. did a really, they did good, a really job. good job. And then I you had a friend just standing up before he got in the ditch. Amazing, just staring there yeah. like my wife never loved me. Yeah. I guess I got to take my yeah. shirt off and lay in a so, hole. Like he looks dead. He seriously does. He looks really pasty. Yeah, and they did a, they did a nice job. This like trail of like dark blood yeah. is like streaming down his face. It looks real good. They yeah. did a good job. Yeah. Way to go, YouTube. I know. <laughs> the other article I found though was like they got a makeup artist to do it, which is a little more believable. Oh, absolutely. But I also really like the idea of I a prefer- couple cops sitting around YouTube. They just watched a few episodes of Glam and Gore. <laughs> <laughs> They're Come like, on, zombie, we, we got to do this. Yes. <laughs> They're walking around the precinct calling each other zombies for the rest of their lives. <laughs> and he like, Ramon kind of describes like laying in the ditch, pretending to be dead, not moving. The camera's clicking around him. And then like the last shot being taken, then being like, okay, you're done. You can stand up now. And just having this like out of body experience. Oh my God. Absolutely. It's like, well, you were dead there for a sec. We yeah. did a real good job making sure it looks like it. Yeah. So... I should mention, they did also send in an other undercover cop to pretend to be Paco. Oh, okay. So they, they had a, a face Paco. with it. They had a Paco. Awesome. So on July 22nd, Lulu climbed back into the truck that was supposed to be Paco's. This time with two hidden cameras capturing her face. Oh, my God. As the undercover officer tells her in Spanish, we got him this morning. And Lulu, no reaction, just says, I've got $1,000. Oh, my God. They show her the photo of Ramon in the grave and say, what do you think? And she starts trying to get, like, details. They tell her, like, he fought for his life. He didn't want to die. The truck is at a chop shop. But also, okay, she has no reason to think he's not dead. No. No. And asking for details is gross and weird unless you have reason to suspect. Weirder. They get through it. She pauses says he won't get up anymore and then starts laughing wow damn honey cold hearted what is wrong with you uh-huh. she's just a fucking sociopath so the next morning with ramon in hiding because like he's dead officers went to the gym telling lulu they'd received a missing person report for her husband Oh, no. Shockingly, she has no explanation of where he is. The worst acting ever, I'm sure. Yeah. <laughs> and the police officer's like, so we have her lying to us immediately. Like, right off the bat. Yeah, hundo. Police then 
show the officers placing Lulu in handcuffs in front of her mother and teenage daughter. Like, there's a video of her being arrested. Oof-a-doof. And then they transferred her to the interrogation room. And the Lieutenant Atkins says, at this point, I think she's accepted that she was being duped. It's all coming to her now. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly she wasn't going to speak without her lawyer present. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Makes sense. So 15 months later, in October of 2016, Lulu pled guilty to solicitation of capital murder. She never looked at Ramon as a judge sentenced her to 20 years in prison. And no one from her family ever spoke publicly in her defense. Oh, damn. Uh, They're like, yeah, no, honey, you really did. They caught you red handed doing a terrible thing. Yeah. (laughs) Lulu's last attorney of record also said he was not authorized to speak on her behalf. Whoa. She's like, no, fuck it. No, I'm d- I don't care. <laughs> uh, Lulu now 44 has been housed in a state prison in Gatesville, Texas. And never responded to any letters from any journalists. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wanting to try and get her side of the story. Like, sure. No. She's like, I'm done. I'm um, just so done. <laughs> she also refused interviews. And Ramon's last image of Lulu was her leaving the courtroom in a pink jumpsuit and handcuffs. Wow. So that, that feels because she's she sounds like just a big old sociopath. Yeah. It feels like she was so duped that like the shame of it is like unfaceable. So she doesn't want to be even famous for this crazy crime. She yeah. doesn't even want to be like a femme fatale. She's just like, leave me alone. I can't look at anybody ever again. Yeah. I got duped so hard. Yeah. By a gangster. Yeah, by a gangster and a fake Who dude named Paco. a movie plot to me. Yeah, and I believed it. I'm like, let this happen. Like, oh my God. Yeah, so there's a story of a guy that was once murdered. <laughs> but he totally he lived. totally lived. Oh, I love it. That's a twist right there. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, a <laughs> couple of weird ones. <laughs> Good. Okay. Also, just a bit of a shorter episode, but you got it. You got to like we just did this last week. Yeah. <laughs> also, like, we just decided to do this yesterday. Yeah. And w- then we went on and had a whole bunch of shit to do in between now and then. So like <laughs> we're doing our best out here. Thank you so much. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we hope you enjoyed episode 49. <laughs> oh, my God. Episode 50 is coming up next. Uh, and we should probably mention we're on Spotify. Hell yeah, we're on Spotify. So if you like your podcast through Spotify, I, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's cool. It makes us look cool. When yeah. I looked it up on our phone, I was like, oh I was like, we, we look, look professional. so professional. Like, oh it's awesome. So yeah, um, look us up on Spotify if you prefer that to other things. Yeah. Tell your friends. Like our Facebook. Like our Facebook. Do all that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Share. Share, like, subscribe. <laughs> Share, like, subscribe, uh, comment. Yeah. Good. Thank, all you. Right. Thank you. Thank you guys for joining us. You should you should be kind of like Heather and Ramon. Yeah. Yeah. Don't marry a crazy person for money. Don't do that. And also, don't forget your can of marinara. Mother. Oh, I'm so... <laughs>